Well, greetings and salutations. Are you ready to get dark? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to John Campy After the Dark, the show where we talk about drinking alcohol and doing recreational drugs and casual sex with one or many partners and all that sorts of good things. And guys, welcome to After Dark here. My name is John Campia. Now, um, listen, After Dark is now a little bit different than what it used to be. You know, After Dark, what After Dark used to be, what we have done After Dark as for the first four episodes that we did it, was really, it was just a companion video. It was just a companion video that we just happened to be doing live. But I heard from a bunch of you guys that uh, you thought companion videos should be a separate thing. And when we do After Dark, it should be for those of you guys who are like are living in different time zones and you don't often get to watch live. So what we're doing now is that After Dark is taking actual live questions from you guys. So if you want to send in a live question, the way you do it for After Dark is by using the YouTube Super Chat feature. Like instead of using the tip link down below, that's for the John Campia show. But if you want to send in, you know, a topic for us to discuss here on After Dark, that's my dark voice. Did you like that? Uh, then simply use the Super Chat feature uh, for that. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, we've got uh, Craig... Uh, Craig is saying Kamustaka, uh, Campia, Salamat. I appreciate you writing that in. Thank you very much. Um, good to have you guys here. John Iverson Ajar is actually saying good morning, John from the Philippines. Good morning from the Philippines. See, that's one of the actual cool things about doing After Dark later in the evening is that because of the different time zones around the world, it really does give us an opportunity to do a live stream uh, for people who don't normally aren't awake or maybe they're at work when we do the John Campy show. So uh, that is what we're going to do. And it's good to have you guys here. So listen, this is going to be really casual and relaxed. This is not formal. We're going to talk about anything you guys want to talk about. I mean, obviously a lot of movie TV questions are coming. If you guys want to talk about tech, you guys want to talk about, you know, the setup, you want to talk about the industry, you want to talk about blogging or podcasting. This, you're going to talk about whatever it is you guys want to talk about. Within reason, of course, I do reserve the right to not answer a stupid question that gets sent in, you know, so uh, there's that as well. So anyway, let's not waste any time and get over to it, shall we? You guys have already been sending in questions, so let's get to it. Uh, we're going to start off here with uh, Matt Guillaume, who writes, I guess I'm staying up, uh, going to drink a black cherry Zevia along, uh, along with the show. Also, I got myself a French girlfriend from... Edmonston, New Brunswick, beautiful area, seriously, New Brunswick, beautiful area, and we're glad that you're joining us tonight, Matt, thanks for being here, dude, all right, John Redcorn writes in, Morbius comes out on January 28th, and it seems like there's no hype for it, should we be worried that Sony is trying to bury it, and when will we get another trailer, all right, look, John Redcorn, my brother, sit down and listen to me closely, just because a trailer hasn't come out yet, or in the case of Morbius, another trailer, I, I do not understand why people go, a trailer hasn't come yet, should we be worried? It's like, no, a trailer, whether they drop 15 trailers by now or no trailers by now, it is no cause for concern. Look, there's a couple things you got to keep in mind. Morbius is a Sony picture, right? They have been focusing all of their energy and attention on venom right venom is just in its second it just had its second weekend right so they have wanted all the energy and attention to be on venom they don't want to divvy up the attention not to mention we got spider-man coming out so and remember that is a sony picture 
So we got Spider-Man No Way Home coming out. So they've got another film coming out that they're going to want to turn their attention to. Now, yes, January 28th is coming up close. It's a little over three months away. But you still got to understand they've got certain things they're trying to promote right now, and they're going to use all this to build up to it. So, no, the fact that there's not a second trailer out for Morbius already is no indication one way or the other. It is not a good sign. It is not a bad sign. It's nothing. So there is no reason to get upset. Now, Steve James is writing a January release is concerning, though. No, it's not. Not in not in today's environment. Not with the last year and a half we've had. Like, really, with the last year and a half, with the COVID pandemic, movies that are coming out in theaters, they're all just looking for a spot to get out in theaters. Now, in a normal year, like 2017, 2018, if a studio had its choice to drop its movie anywhere and it chooses to put its movie in January, well, yeah, historically, that would maybe be a bad sign. But right now, it's not. It's not a good sign. It's not a bad sign. Like one of the things that the pandemic has done has created this huge log jam of movies that are just desperately trying to find dates to be released. And so they think January can work. You know what? It'll work as much as anybody else. So I wouldn't think that's anything to worry about either. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we're going to go over to uh, Alan Schroeder, who writes, my local theater plays the same half hour of trailers every movie, so I have grown sick of seeing the Jackass Forever trailer. Are there any trailers you are sick of seeing when you go to the movies? Uh, no, I don't mind. I mean, because really, the trailers are short, right? Like, it's not like you have to sit down and watch the same 20-minute episode of something. The trailers are short. You can get through it. It's okay. Plus, I keep in mind that just because I've seen this trailer eight or nine times... Most of the people in this theater, the Jackass trailer is a good example of that. Most of the people in this theater probably haven't seen the Jackass trailer yet. So I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. But, uh, but you know, you just got to understand the trailers are short. And, and j- just because you're one of the cool kids that you're in the movie theater a lot, like me, uh, we're the cool kids. I bet you didn't know that. We are the cool kids. At least I tell myself that every day when I look in the mirror. You're a cool kid, John. You're cool. You are cool. Don't listen to everybody. Anyway, um, you got to understand, most people in that theater haven't seen them yet. So it's okay. We can deal with it. We can deal with it. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Alan. Uh, next up, where are we at here? Chris Miner writes in. Uh, You've talked about TV shows you wished wouldn't have been canceled after season one. This might be hard, but what's a sitcom you wish they didn't cancel too soon? For me, it's Freaks and Geeks. Well, I mean, Freaks and Geeks is iconic, especially in Canada. Um, I honestly can't think of any. Like, I, I honestly can't think of any sitcoms that I really loved that then got canceled after one season. Um so you guys in the live chat, if you guys got some that you can think of that like was a really great sitcom that then got axed, I can't think of any off the top of my head. So uh, that's a good question though, Chris. All right. Jose Mias writes, uh, Jose Mias writes, I thought that Dominic from Hobbit play Hera's son. Honestly, uh, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I know who Dominic from the Hobbit is. I don't know what you mean by play Hera's son. I don't know what you mean by that, unfortunately. Sorry about that, dude. All right, next up, Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John, everyone talks is Die Hard a Christmas movie. By the way, by the way, real talk, folks, time to come to Jesus, okay? Settle it right now. Die Hard is not 
a Christmas movie. Bruce Willis says it's not a Christmas movie. I agree with Bruce Willis. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And that debate will never end. All right, let's keep going here. Um, While everybody talks, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? But the real question is, is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween or Christmas movie? I'd say both. What about you? Bring on the filthy. You know what's funny? In my neighborhood right now, um, as Ann and I go for walks every night, our neighborhood right now, there is so many Nightmare Before Christmas decorations up all over the place. All over the place. I... I've never really, I don't, hey, let me put it this way. I don't have a strong conviction either way. I don't have a strong conviction either way. But I have always kind of considered Nightmare Before Christmas both a Halloween film and a Christmas film. I mean, they're not separated very far from each other on the calendar either. So uh, I have personally been, for me, and I'm not speaking for anybody else, for me, I've always considered it both, but that's just me. All right, next up, we got SK Zong writes, Hey, John, Zevia said they are not looking at doing partnerships, uh, but gone ahead and partnered up with this other Canadian, Vivian Wong, on Instagram. Well, what can I say? Fuck, fuck Zevia. I love their products so much. I really do. And this is actually Zevia in my cup. You can see it's not anything else. It's actually Zevia. I got Zevia in there. The clear liquid there, that's Zevia Cola. I do love Zevia so much. But yeah, fuck Zevia. No one has ever done more promotion for them. But you know what? Here's the problem. This is the problem. This is true talk. This is true talk. Um, Zevia knows that they're getting all this promotion from me and they don't have to pay me a cent. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. You pay an influencer so they will promote your product. Why give a single dollar to an influencer when he stupidly promotes your product every single fucking show that he does? So while they are assholes, oh, they're insufferable cheap sons of bitches over at Zevia. I don't blame them because I'm giving them all sorts of free publicity every single freaking show. Okay. Let's move on here. Uh, thanks, SK. Uh, My Comic Planet writes, one of two. The show I've been hooked on lately is Money Heist. I hear from so many people who really love that show. Uh, it was one of those Netflix shows I saw on my feed all the time and ignored uh, and ignored now. It's really good. Um, have you seen it? It has tons of twists and turns, cons- consistently keeping you guessing. And the English dubbing is not bad for those who hate subtitles. I've never, I still never started watching it. I've still never started watching it. And I've heard from a lot of people, man, that it's actually real. I've heard from so many people that Money Heist is awesome. I've got a friend of mine who swears it's the best thing on Netflix, but I have not started watching it yet. It's one of those things that's on my queue, like that, Midnight Mass. Uh, Like right now, I'm still going through. By the way, I just, can I just say, I didn't even know Archer. I've been waiting for Archer to come back. All right. I love Archer. I've been waiting for Archer to come back. And then I'm on like a CNN or something like that. And they talk about something about Archer season finale. I'm like, wait, what season? Like the show came back. So I am now trying to slowly get my way through Archer. Uh, the, the, this most recent season I've gone, I've done two episodes, I think so far. So I'm going through Archer. I'm obviously watching what we do in the shadows. I'm watching foundation. Um, uh, I'm watching Chicago PD. Yeah, I know it's, I don't know why, but I really like Chicago PD. Uh, so there's a few shows, but midnight mass and money heist are definitely on my queue. Okay. Uh, next up we go to, 
Uh, Josh C. who writes, I uh, haven't been able to watch Shang-Chi or the Suicide Squad here in Australia. The Suicide Squad is available for rent and Shang-Chi will be soon. Um, oh, but I've decided once theaters reopen, I'll make that my double feature. I mean, listen, do what you got to do, man. Like, I, I, both of them are obviously better in the theaters. Watching them in movie theaters is clearly better. But, you know, you don't want to fall too far behind. So if you get the option to watch them at home, maybe watch them at home. Because here's the thing. By the time the theaters open in Australia, you never know if they're going to play Suicide Squad or Shang-Chi. They might be too old by that point. They might be putting new movies. So I don't know. It's 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 a it's a good, it's a conundrum, Josh. See, it's a conundrum. Uh, best of luck in that. All right, next up. Uh, Fanimator writes, I sent this as a tip, but uh, with 10 top five movies of 2001, but okay, but with 10 top five movies, 2001, number one, Shang-Chi, number two, Zack Snyder's Justice League, number three, Free Guy, number four, Mitchell's versus the Machines, number five, A Quiet Place 2. I think I still have A Quiet Place 2 as my number one. I mean, Shang-Chi comes really close, but I still think A Quiet Place 2 is my number one film of the year. Uh, so it'd be for me, it would probably, it would be uh, a quiet place to Shang-Chi, um, free guy. And then I'd have to go back and remember all the films that I've already seen this year. I don't, I don't carry that off the top of my head. Thanks for giving me your list. Fanimator. All right. The dark side writes greetings, John. I was wondering if you have read Saga. Yes. I think it's one of the best stories, period, and I'd love to get an animation adaptation. By the way, written by, uh, uh, um, I keep on wanting to say Matthew K. Vaughn, but I think it's, uh, is it Philip Vaughn? What's, what's, guys in the chat, what's, what's the author's name? It's the same guy who wrote Why the Last Man. It's the same guy who wrote The Runaways. Um, is, it, is it Matthew? It's not Matthew Vaughn, is it? Is it Philip K. Vaughn? I can't remember. Come on, guys in the live chat. Help me out with this. Is it Brian Vaughn? Is it Brian K. Vaughn? I think there's a K in there. Anyway, Brian K. Vaughn. Okay, it is Brian K. Vaughn. Okay, there you go. So I remember I had never even heard of Saga uh, a couple years ago until Anne brought home like the collection. She said, I just heard these are good. So she brought, you know, it's just the same way I first started reading Runaways is that I had not really heard of Runaways and Anne brought home Runaways. And like, I just devoured that. And then she brought home Saga and I just devoured that. And again, now why The Last Man is on, uh, is on TV. I'm three episodes in. I'm not loving, I think I'm a few episodes behind. I'm not loving why The Last Man on the show right now. It's not bad, but I'm not loving it. I love the comic series. Like I love the graphic novel run. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, there's a, but yes, love it. And it would be really cool if they did do it, uh, a screen adaptation of it at some point. All right. Next up, uh, a rod 2006 writes, how do you think Adam Warlock will get his powers with the soul, with the soul stone out of play? Any other way there's, they, they can say he gets his powers any other way. They can say, we got it from our local universe star. Or they can say, on our planet, we have this magical gem that exudes all this power. And we did that. Or they can simply say, we have a magical Floppalopolis monster on our planet and transfer the essence of the Floppalopolis monster. And really, there's any way they can do it. Because, like, obviously, they're already going to change his origin story, right? Because his origin story in the comics is he was created on Earth by, like, human scientists, so they're already changing. We already know they're changing his origin story. So there's a million different ways uh, they can uh, they can do that. All right, next up. 
Wiley Todd writes, Hey, John, I'm an inspiring music supervisor. Very cool. Uh, which do you think is better to study school-wise, music school or film school? I'm personally current, currently doing both, uh, but want to know your thoughts. I am the wrong guy to ask. Because, like, you need to talk to somebody who has been to music school or has been to film school. I've done neither, and I don't know anything about the role and what it takes to be a music supervisor. And since I don't know the first thing about what it means to be, I mean, I know what a music supervisor does, but I, I, I know what the role is. But since I don't know the first thing about what really it takes to be a music supervisor and the skills you need and whatever, since I don't even know that, I, I couldn't possibly begin to guess about whether music school or film school is the best way to go. I mean, if you find a film school that's got a strong track in music, film music and music supervision, stuff like that, maybe that's the best way to go. But again, Wiley, I'm just talking out of my ass. Good on you for doing that. Good on you for doing that, though. And I wish you the best of luck in that, dude. That's a great thing to go into. All right, next up. Uh, Brennan Sheehy writes, John, will we ever see a return of Richard Kelly, director of Donnie Darko? Uh, I even like his follow-up, Southland Tales and The Box. Miss his unique voice. You know what? I haven't even thought of him in forever. To be honest with you, let me hold on. Let me bring him up here. Um, I, I'm so glad you brought him up. I haven't even thought of that name in in like forever. Richard Kelly, IMDb. Let's see what he's done lately. Uh, so Richard Kelly, um, Donnie Darko. I I wasn't a huge fan of Southland Tales or The Box, but I did like Domino. Although I think he wrote Domino. I don't think he actually directed Domino. What else did he direct? He directed five things. Uh, yeah, Donnie Darko. See, I don't know. Has he produced anything lately? The last thing he produced was in 2010, so he hasn't done anything in a while. The last screenplay he did was The Box in 2009, and the last thing that he directed was The Box in 2009. Is he alive? I mean, that's a good question to ask. Uh, yeah, he's still alive. I don't know. I guess he just kind of decided to leave the business. If any of you, the rest of you guys know more about that, if you'd think a guy who's directed films like that would still be around, but nope, not there. Not, anyway, that's a great name to bring up, man. Thanks for throwing that one in there. All right, next up, Ben Rayner writes, without saying what it was, without saying what it was, do you think that Venom 2 post credit scene is the reason Sony wanted Venom 2 out before Morbius? Uh, that was a question, right? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, look, it, I mean, does anybody in the live chat just, hold on a second, let me put up a poll in the live chat, okay? Um, do, hold on a second, oh crap, what did I do? I did something stupid. Let me try this again. Uh, do you know, what's going on? Hold on a second. Something bad happened. Let me try this again. Something's going wrong here. Let me try this again. Okay. Shift. Do you know the Venom post-credit scene? Yes or no? Just, just, does anybody actually not know? If you guys are in the live chat, go ahead and vote on the poll right now. Does anybody not actually know yet? I, I'm, I feel pretty confident that pretty much everybody knows what the post-credit scene is in Spider-Man. 
Well, I got 100 votes already, and there are 12% of you saying no. All right, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to give a spoiler away here about the post-credit scene. I'm going to put my hand up here, okay? As long as my hand is up, I'm going to be talking about the spoiler. Once my hand goes down, I'm no longer talking about the spoiler, okay? So here we go. All right, so not only was that post-credit scene a real good reason why they wanted Venom out before Morbius, I have a feeling once we see Morbius, it's going to become even more clear to us um, why Morbius had to come out second. But more than that, I think it's the post credit scene in Venom 2 made it obvious why Venom had to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home. So I think the order these films had to come was Venom, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Morbius. I mean, maybe Morbius could have come out before Spider-Man. We won't know till we see it, but I think that's true for both of those. Okay, hands down, done. Done talking about uh, the the spoiler stuff here. And yeah, like a couple of hundred of you guys have voted and you, 17% of you still don't know what it is. Good on you for being able to keep yourselves hidden from that. Okay, let's get back over to it here. That was from Ben. Next up, we got My Comic Planet who writes, one of two. The Halloween, the Halloween, blah, 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 the Halloween Kills premiere is tonight. Yeah, I got invited to that. Uh, Jason Blum and Co. had the uh, industry and participate had the industry odd participate in a Halloween costume party. Never heard of that before. Yeah, but was it tonight or was it tomorrow night? Hold a second. Let me look at my email because I got an invitation. Um, let me see. Uh, Halloween. Let me see. Oh, no, it, it was tonight. It was tonight. Okay, yeah, there it goes. Yeah, I, I didn't go to that. Um, I think that's a really cool thing they're doing, making it a costume party to go to that. I think that's really cool. Anyway, there's that. Okay, next up. Oh, sorry, that was one of two. Second part of the person who stole the show was uh, Jamie C. She showed up cosplaying as her mom's character from Psycho. That's cool. Complete with bloody shower curtains. So cool. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. First of all, Jamie Lee Curtis just exudes awesome, does she not? That does she, That's awesome. That is really cool. I, I'm going to have to go online and see if I can see that. All right. Uh, Jody Harkavi writes, I have to disagree. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. John McClane learns the spirit of family and Christmas joy along with all the fun explosions. Hey, listen, Jody, you can have your opinion. I'm not, I'm not going to get into a fight over it. I just know that 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 die hard is not a christmas movie you can believe it is i respect that i totally do robert and i've been arguing about this for years <laughs> thanks for sharing your thoughts on it jody all right brennan Sheehy writes in uh john have you been watching only murders in the building with steve martin martin short and selena gomez a charming murder mystery with a great cast i have not been following it but i've watched a couple of episodes because Anne is addicted to it so at some point, I am going to have to finish it. Like I watched the first two episodes, and I'm already like, okay, this is really good. This is really good. And then today, I walked into the living room while she was watching one of the latest episodes. And I'm like, okay, I got to keep my eyes away from it. I got, but Anne is loving the show so far. I really like the first couple of episodes that I saw as well. So I will get caught up on it. It's been really, really good so far there. I've been really enjoying it. All right, next up. Uh, Jody Harkavi writes, 
If you like uh, Fausta, the same people had a show called Hit and Run. Uh, Fausta was better, but I like Hit and Run. It might be worth a watch for you. I'm not even sure. I don't even know what Fausta is. So I'm not going to lie. Unless I'm totally confusing it with something else, um, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I, I just got to be honest with you. Straight up, got to be honest with you. I don't even know what that is. So, But thank you for putting it on my radar and the radar for everybody else as well, Jody. Appreciate that. Uh, Casey Mack writes, Hey, John. I actually sampled uh, the new Chucky TV series tonight. I'm a sucker for Chucky. I know a lot of people don't like him as a top horror slasher, but I, so far, the first episode down and enjoyed it. Yeah, I listen, I am one of those guys, Casey. I really don't care about Chucky. I mean, don't get me wrong. The first Child's Play movie was so different and so unique, like a possessed baby doll with a psycho slasher killer. It was so unique and so different. I was over it by the end of the first movie, though. Like even Bride of Chucky and so like I it's and I'm not trashing on it. I'm just saying it's just not really for me now. The recent re-envisioning of it they did with Mark Hamill doing the voice of the doll that was actually kind of clever. It was a, it was a more modernized, different sort of take on it. And I appreciated that for what it was. I did. I appreciate it for what it was. Um, but I have no interest in this Chucky series. I'll be honest with you again. I'm not crap talking it cause I haven't seen it, but it's not up there, but I'm glad you saw it Casey and I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. And listen, Hey, like a lot of things, if enough people recommend that I check it out, I'll probably check it out at some point myself. So thanks for putting that out there, man. All right. Next up, uh, Shiv Patel writes, Hey, John, check out Indian film Soryavanishi. Soryavanishi. Hmm. <laughs> I'm terrible. Listen, I'm terrible at pronouncing American names, okay? So give me a break. Uh, Soryavanishi, uh, November 5th. I'm not going to lie to you, Shiv. I probably won't. I, I'm, I'm having a hard enough time keeping up with the Hollywood stuff that's coming out right now. But hey, listen, I've gone to AMC to watch a lot of the, uh, the Indian film stuff that they've done there before. So maybe I'll be able to check it out at some point. Thanks for putting it on my radar, man. Uh, ben Elman writes, do you think Nate can be redeemed in Ted Lasso season three? If anybody can redeem him, it's Ted, but I personally hope he dies. Uh, Jody Harkavay writes, have you ever read... Uh, the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher, highly recommended. Nope, never have. Uh, but didn't they turn those? Aren't there movies based on that, though? Aren't there movies based on that? I'm not really sure, but I think there is. Anyway, I, I've heard of it. Never read them myself. Uh, I, I don't read as like most of my reading. I don't read a ton of novels like most. When you see me picking up a book, it is either a biography um, or some kind of history, a leadership book, a sports book. And by, I mean, true, real sports history or a technical book. Uh, I don't read tons of novels. I've certainly read a few. I mean, obviously most of the, the classic classics, but I don't read a ton of novels like Robert Meyer Burnett does. Like Robert reads a lot more uh, books than I do. All right. Next up. Uh, we go to Wiley Todd, who writes, John, am I the only one who's excited for The King's Man? I think it looks pretty good, but no one is talking about it at all. Listen, here's the thing, Wiley. I loved The Kingsman as much as anybody. I was pleasantly surprised by it. I had such a great time with it. Colin Firth is fantastic in that. But man, The Kingsman 2 was terrible. Like that, that that's a really bad movie. 
And I remember walking out of it the first time going, okay, well, it wasn't as good as the first one, but it was okay. And then I thought about it more. It's like, no, it really wasn't okay. Then I thought, maybe if I watch it again. So I went back and watched it again. I'm like, no, that movie's terrible. That movie's just awful. And I'm not trying to shit on your opinion if you like it. If you like it, that's awesome. But I really thought it was terrible. So until I see the new one, by the way, starring the greatest actor in the world who doesn't yet have an Academy Award, under the category of who is the best actor in the world that doesn't have an Academy Award yet, the answer is Rafe Fiennes. Um, so I'm really fascinated that Rafe Fiennes is in it. He's one of my favorites in the world. But I can't get myself excited for it because of how bad the second one was. Now, once I see it, and I'm definitely going to watch it. Maybe it'll totally uh, make me fall in love with it. But for now, I'm not all that excited for it. Not all that excited for it. All right. Uh, John Redcorn writes, thoughts on the Patriots season so far? They're better than I thought they'd be. They might be a playoff team. I mean, if they keep playing the way they played like against the uh, Buccaneers uh, a week and a half ago, they could be all right. I mean, they may or may not make the playoffs this season, but they are definitely a much improved team uh, since, you know, getting rid of Cam Newton. I still can't believe they had a chance. They had a chance to get Russell Wilson and they didn't get him anyway. Um, but uh, this new rookie quarterback is looking good. So we'll see. All right. Alex Von Gollum writes, I've seen No Time to Die twice. Love it. Given the box office so far, over under 25%, the movie breaks even. At this point, profitability is really out of reach. It's profitability is out of reach. Now, listen, the movie's already made over $300 million worldwide. It's already made $300 million worldwide. It just hasn't done great in the North American box office. Can it get... By the way, you're hearing numbers out there saying, oh, the movie's got to make nine... The movie does not need to make $900 million. All right? people hear that number and they start parroting it. And I did the math. That is not how much this movie needs to make. Okay. But it does need to make a lot. Arguably about 700 million. And I can't see it making 700 million. I I just cannot see it making 700 million. So, um, but I mean, it'll make as much money as it can. Again, I'm already impressed. It's already made over 300. So it's going to lose money. But thank you. You got to thank the pandemic for that. But uh, the question is, how much can it compensate? How much can it make up? And maybe it can make up a lot of it. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Jody writes in. Hey, John, I've been having a lot of medical issues and your show has got me through some tough times. So thank you. Bring on the filthy. Oh, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. I to me, it's always amazing when uh, people write in to say either they've been you know, they're, they've been ill or they've been in the hospital or they've been, you know, have, they've been off work for a month or whatever. And they say, they write in and say that, that our show is one of the things that has helped them get through that. And I'm always amazed when I hear that. And I'm always very, very moved when I hear that. So the fact that you guys have us along with you on your journey to, to help be a part of your day. That's, that's an honor. That's a real honor. Um, so thank you for sharing that, man. I really do appreciate that. Okay. Next up, Fanimator writes, what have you watched more than once in theaters? I watched good dinosaur, uh, star Wars, episode eight, black Panther, Incredibles two twice each and Shang Chi three times, maybe four dude. I, I no, you don't, you don't understand. If I like a movie, I will see it multiple times in theaters. 
Um, so the answer, what movie did I see more than once in theaters? Almost any movie that I liked. I go to the theaters a lot. I mean, pandemic notwithstanding. I go to the theaters a lot. I'll just go. Like, I saw Shang-Chi in theaters seven times. I saw, you know, the original four in theaters eight times. Now, I don't normally see movies in theaters that often, but I will definitely, if there's a movie, like, I saw Free Guy in theaters three times. I saw A Quiet Place in theaters three times. Um, I'm going to go see Eternals on Monday, and then I'm going to go watch it again on Tuesday. So I've got the world premiere on Monday that I'm going to, and then I got a press screening I'm going to go to the very next day on Tuesday. I'm going to see it twice already. So yeah, the question isn't which movies have I seen more than once. The question is which movies have I not seen more than once? And that answer is movies I don't like. If there's movies I really don't like, but even then, like The Kingsman 2, I went to go see that twice just to make sure. Or The Rise of Skywalker. I hate The Rise of Skywalker. I saw that damn movie three times in theaters. So, yeah, I go to see most movies multiple times in theaters. All right, next up. And, and I'll tell you why. Because one of my favorite things as a film fan to do is watching a movie I like again with somebody who hasn't seen it yet. I love that shit. I love watching a movie that I love with people who haven't seen it yet. I love that. And that's part of the reason why I go to the movie theater so many times. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Uh, uh, Abel Leon writes Money Heist is one of the best shows on Netflix. The best way to describe it is a telenovela uh, mixed with fast and furious fun heist elements in Fast Five. I keep hearing that Abel. Like I keep hearing from people that Money Heist is so good. And what's it going into? Guys in the live chat, what's it going into? Is it going into like season five now? Or three, three, four, five? It's been around for a while. If you guys know in the live chat, go ahead and throw that in there. But it's been around for a while, and it's got multiple seasons out right now, so I really do need to get on that. Bill, uh, Bill Will is saying five. And, by, and what's the French one that everybody talks about? It's like one of the most popular things on Netflix right now. It had season one, and now it's coming out in season two. It's a French show, and I cannot remember the name of it. Lupin. Arun is saying Arun and that weather saying Lupin. I keep hearing Lupin is one I got to watch too. So lots of stuff to watch guys. Lots of stuff to watch. All right. Next up. Jody writes, okay, international show slash movies subbed or dubbed. I prefer subtitle. I prefer subtitled. Now it depends because sometimes there are some movies that I really want to see their, I really want to keep my attention on their faces. Generally speaking, I prefer subtitles because I want to hear the real inflection in the voices of the actors. But sometimes I want to pay more attention to their faces. And you can't always keep your attention on their face when you've got your eyes down here reading the subtitles, right? So uh, generally speaking, I prefer subtitled. But for example, like about five minutes into watching Squid Game, I realized I want to see their faces more because there's a lot of shock and awe and terror and horror. Like there's a lot of facial acting in that show. So I decided to watch the dubbed version of that instead of the subtitled version of that. So that's just me. All right. Uh, good question, man. Next up, Eric, the sailor man writes. Hey, John, long time watcher, first time commenter. Thank you for writing in, Eric. Appreciate that. Do you think Eternals can be a legit Oscar Best Picture nominee or is it a lot of hype from Kevin Feige? Well, look, real talk. Every movie coming out has the potential to be a Best Picture nominee. I mean, every movie does. Until we see it, we don't know. 
But I will say this. You've heard me say it a million times. I will say it again. The most important factor in the potential quality of the movie is the director. And who is directing this movie? The reigning, defending, undisputed, current director, champion of the world. She is the reigning Academy Award Best Director of the Year, Chloe Zhao. When you have the reigning, defending, the current holder of the title of Director of the Year, and it wasn't just the Academy Award, she won that. She won the DGA, the Directors Guild of America appointed her and said you were the best Director of the Year. When you've got the reigning Director of the Year directing your film, that's a pretty good step in the right direction. It's a pretty good step in the right direction. Every film has the potential to be a Best Picture nominee. This one has a foot forward in the fact that it's got Chloe Zhao directing it because her last film, she won Best Director and her movie won Best Picture. So that gives you an advantage. The other thing is this. Kevin Feige has had a movie be nominated for Best Picture in Black Panther. And if he really feels this is the next one, like it would be different if Kevin Feige was say, said of every one of his movies, this could be best picture. Shang-Chi could be a best picture contender. Black Widow could be a best picture contender. Spider-Man could be a best picture contender. Well, then, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I have never heard Kevin Feige say that one of his films he believes is a legit contender for best picture at the Academy Awards. I've never heard him say it. He said it about Eternals. Now, whether he's right or wrong, we'll find out. I'm watching it in five days. I'm watching Eternals in five days. And uh, I will then be able to give you a uh, more uh, a better idea about whether I think it's actually a movie that could really be a Best Picture contender. All right, thanks for writing that in, Eric. Okay, next up. Uh, we go to Suthius, who writes, The White House Reception Committee greeted the prime rib roast minister, and I do the cha-cha like... A sissy girl. I do da cha cha. First time I ever saw uh, Steve Carell. That's see. That's from um uh, uh the um uh, uh the, the the God movie, right? Um, is that is that not the one from what's the name of that movie? He that it's Morgan Freeman and Jim Carrey. Bruce Almighty is that the name of it? D, yeah, DGMC is saying Bruce Almighty. Yeah, that's from Bruce Almighty, right? We see. First of all, that scene. That scene, when he's at the news table, that's the scene that made Steve Carell a star. That scene is the scene that made him a star. The whole whole thing, right? Like, most people had never seen anything like that before. The way Steve Carell played that, I mean, he was already in the industry. I mean, he obviously he was in that movie. Uh, he was uh, he was on uh, the, the the Daily Show, I believe, and all that kind of stuff. So, like, he was already in the industry. So, people in the industry already kind of knew his name a little bit. But I think that was the scene that made him a star. I think that was the one that made him a star. Uh, but uh, yes. Uh, so now people saying uh, Evan Almighty is the one with Jim Carrey. Yes, but Steve Carell was in Bruce Almighty. Evan Almighty uh, is just, he's playing the same character that he played in Bruce Almighty. So, but uh, yeah, there's that. Anyway, next up, uh, where are we at? Ben Elman writes, I love No Time to Die and Craig's Run as Bond, but as always, James Bond will return. Are there any directors that you would want to reboot the series post Craig? You know, everybody knows what I'm about to say, right? 
Everybody knows what I'm about to say. I don't care. I don't X director directing X movie. Don't care. All I ever care about is do you get a talented director? That's all I care about. That's the only thing that matters. So when I hear that, uh, you know, the next Bond is going to be coming up soon, who do I want to direct it? A, A good director. That's it. As Kevin Feige once told me, a good storyteller is a good storyteller. So as long as they get a director who we consider to be a good, solid storyteller and director, I'll be totally happy with whoever it is. Uh, The bigger question for a lot of people is going to be who is going to be the next Bond, Uh, less so about who's going to be the director. But yeah, uh, just as long as they get a good director, I'll be happy, man. All right. Louis C. writes. Top five films of 2021. Number one, Shang-Chi. Number two, Suicide Squad. Number three, A Quiet Place 2. Number four, Free Guy. Number five, Green Knight. Yeah, I keep forgetting about Green Knight. I thought, listen, I know for some people, Green Knight is not their kind of movie. I respect that. I understand that. I know that. I keep forgetting about it. Green Knight is, I think Green Knight is great. I think that is a piece of art. I think that movie is a legit piece of art. I'm glad you have that one on your list, Lewis. All right. Steve Alexander writes, Hey, John, much love to you. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. Whoa, time out. Steve tips in $100. Dude, uh, I don't know what to say. Thank you, man. That's incredibly generous. Thank you so much for supporting our channel on that uh, level, man. It's, it is amazing that people actually want to support the content that they enjoy. Um, thank you, man. I, I don't know what else to say, but thank you. Thank you for supporting our channel on that level, dude. Uh, on behalf of me, everybody on the show, and all the other viewers, thank you so much, dude. All right, let's get to what it is you're writing there after I get over the shock uh, of uh, of what you just uh, donated in. Anyway, hey, John, much love to you and much love to you, Steve. Uh, no question. I just want to let you know that you're an inspiration to a lot of people and your following is a living proof of that. You were so kind when I had the privilege of meeting you in Burbank in 2019. As always, bring on the filthy. Dude, thank you so much, man. I, I mean, first of all, it's it's always um, amazing when people want to support the show, but especially when all they want to do is just right in to say something encouraging and kind. So dude, thank you so much for that. Um, I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you for the kind words. And I'm glad we had a chance to meet at Burbank. I I tell you what, man, I, one of the reasons I love going to the movie theaters is that without exception, I always run into people, viewers of the John campus show. Whenever I go to the movie theaters, wherever I go, I was in Boston. We went to the movies in Boston to see, uh, we were out in Boston. We went to the movies to go see uh, the greatest showman. And sure enough, as soon as we walk in, these people walk up, excuse us, are you John Campia? And I wanted to go, nope, but yes, it, it was me. I, I, this is one of the reasons I love going to theaters. We always run into our fellow film fans and people who watch the show. So I'm glad we were, I'm, I'm guessing when you said we met in Burbank in 2019, I'm guessing it was probably at the AMC Burbank 16. I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that. Anyway, thank you again, Steve, for writing that in. And thanks for the kind words, man. All right, next up. Fanimator, what's wrong with the rest of you cheap bastards? Be more like Steve. I'm obviously kidding. Be more like Steve. Okay, anyway, Fanimator writes in, have you ever watched the Hindi movie Three Idiots? I can honestly say I have not, but that is already one of my favorite titles ever. That is already one of my all-time favorite titles. All right. The Cinema uh, Sesh writes, Love the content. Keep doing you, man. Inspiration. Oh, thank you, Cinema Sesh. I appreciate that so much. Thanks for writing in. Just say something kind. I appreciate that, man. Um, Just me. I like that username. One of two. With Discovery taking over Warner Media soon, I wonder if they are ready for the task of 
if they are ready for the task of the one of the biggest movie studios and TV production. Um, oh, there's two of two companies working today with uh, Warner Brothers Television, making 400 TV shows currently in production uh, for cable and streaming right now. Not to mention the multiple films for theatrical and HBO Max. Can Discovery succeed? By the way, I don't think they have 400 TV shows in production. I, I You might have thrown in an extra zero there. Uh, that being said, one of the most exciting developments, I think, in entertainment right now is the fact that Discovery is taking over Warner Brothers. The Discovery is such a well-oiled machine. And the key to overseeing it is not to be an expert in something, but it's knowing how to have the right people in place and how to facilitate their success. That's always the key thing. Have the right people in place and then know how to facilitate their success. And the CEO of Discovery has shown that he knows how to do that in spades. So when they take over Warner Brothers, they're not just taking over rights to the IP. They're taking over all the infrastructure as well and all the personnel, at least the ones that they want to keep, because, you know, they're going to be firing a lot of those, especially the current executives over there. A number of them are probably going to be losing their jobs, but they're going to be bringing that entire infrastructure in. And then the CEO of Discovery just has to do what he's always done. Make sure he's got the right generals in place and some of them will already be there. And understand what needs to be done to facilitate them so they can have success. He has done it over and over and over again. And once you know how to do it, the only issue then becomes scale. And I don't think that's going to be a problem for an an entity like Discovery. So I actually really have a lot of very high hopes for Warner Brothers coming under Discovery. I think it's a great thing and I'm very, very excited about the prospects. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up. Uh, we've got that was just me now we got black rice 19 who writes any chance spider-man no way home gets a 200 million dollar opening weekend or are we still not ready because of covid Uh, if any film can do it it's this one i will say this i believe you're right if any film can have a 200 million dollar opening it it's right now out of all the films coming out right now it is spider-man no way home that's the one Will it? I don't know. It's it's it definitely has a chance. I my guess would be it won't, but it'll be big. It it'll definitely be the first one to break a hundred million. It'll definitely break a hundred million. That's no problem. If Venom can do ninety. Spider Man No Way Home will be able to break nine. Uh, will be able to break a hundred. No problem. Hundred and fifty. I might even think is probable. I think hundred and fifty is even probable. In the current environment, with our current circumstances, is two like because two hundred million even in a non-pandemic era would be magnificent. Like that would be hard to do even in a non-pandemic era. Because let me pull up something here: uh, Spider Man uh, Far From Home um, box office. Let me just see this: what its opening thing? Because that movie made one point one billion dollars. billion at the box office. Why the hell did this ad pop up? 1.1 at the billion at the box office. It's opening weekend was, oh, that's not right. That's not right. Let me, let me try homecoming for a second. That number is very, very wrong. Okay. So Spider-Man homecoming, a movie that made $880 million worldwide opened with 120 million. So even in non pandemic era times in good times, Homecoming made 120 million. 
Can No Way Home right now make $200 million? Uh, my guess will be no, but I think it's possible. My guess is no, but it's possible. It's possible. So if any film's going to do it, it's going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. All right, next up. Peter Cunnington writes, did you see the new trailer for the new Home Alone movie? I did. It was awful. But I, I look, I'll be honest with you. First of all, it's got the kid from Jojo Rabbit, which I love that kid. But the poster is terrible. I thought the trailer was terrible. Um, the one good thing about it is also it's got that girl from The Office, Erin from The Office. I can't remember her name. Um, and she was also in the, what is it, The Something Kimmy Schmidt. What was the name of her show, guys? The Indomitable Kimmy Schmidt, The Invincible Kimmy Schmidt. It was her name or something like that. I can't remember the name of the show, but that show, that was very successful for her. I loved her in The Office. Unbreakable, thank you. Louie in the live chat, as well as Francisco, Loki Sales, and Gabriel. Oh, yeah, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I like her a lot. I think she's really fun. She had a great little role in 21 Jump Street. Remember she played the teacher who was totally hot for one of the guys, for Channing Tatum? Anyway, uh, I really like her, but I thought, the, I thought the trailer was terrible, but we'll see. All right. Uh, hand talks first, right? Nice username. Oh no, John on today's show. You forgot to say, stay smart, stay safe and take care of yourself and the people around you. Well, now I'm dumb in danger, uncared for. My people have vanished. LOL. Cheers. Yeah, I do try to remember at the end of every show, guys, especially living in the times that we're in, be smart, be safe, take care of yourselves and take care of the people around you. I mean, that's, that should be a guiding principle for life. I mean, I think if you follow that guiding principle for life, we have no racism, we have no homophobia, we have no poverty, we have no any of that. If all of us were to stay smart, stay safe, take care of ourselves and take care of the people around us, I think the world would be a better place. Ah, but maybe that's just me. All right. Uh, thanks for writing that in on Talks First. Next up, Zach uh, Carper writes, UFC 268 is looking stacked. Dude, it is Re, I hate using this word. It's a cringy word, but I'm going to use it here. Redonkulous. It is absolutely redonkulous. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Michael C. Uh, Gaethje's going to win that fight. I th- I honestly think the only... And Gaethje's going to hold the belt. All due respect to Diamond Dustin, who is awesome. All due respect to uh, to the current champ, all due respect to everybody else in that division. The only lightweight in the world, I believe, who can actually beat Justin Gaethje has retired. And that is uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. That's the only guy. That's the baddest man ever to walk the planet. He is the greatest of all time. But he's retired now. And he's the only guy I think that could beat Gaethje. I don't think anybody else can beat him. He is a maestro of violence. And yes, he lost to Nurmagomedov. He lost to the Eagle. Everybody loses to the Eagle. Literally, everybody loses to the Eagle. Nobody's ever come close to beating him. Like, no one's ever, no one's ever even had him in trouble. Um, he is just so utterly dominant that he had nothing left to prove, so he just retired. I really do hope he comes back someday. He probably won't. But uh, I, do think, uh, I do think we're going to see uh, Gaethje win. And by the way, Gaethje has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. Because if I'm not mistaken, like Poirier and Gaethje fought uh, a number of years ago. And and if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, the Diamond beat him. But he was a different fighter then. I really think right now he is the best lightweight in the world. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Okay. 
<laughs> the eighth writes in the live chat, Khabib is using cheat codes, I swear. I know that guy's just so freaking dominant. For those of you who don't watch MMA, you have never seen a guy who doesn't even look all that physically impressive. Khabib Nurmagomedov does not look all that physically impressive. You've never seen another human being so impose his will on another human being the way he did. It's absolutely crazy. It was such a joy being able to watch him fight. Um, okay, next up. Uh, that's the wrong button. Next up, we've got uh, Brendan Sheehy writes, John, did you hear the rumors that Bill Murray is to appear in the next Ant-Man? Sounds like a perfection to me. Paul, Paul Rudd and Murray alone increases my hype. Uh, I've not heard the rumor. I don't pay much attention to rumors unless that rumor is coming from Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, or Deadline. I tend not to pay much attention to it. Uh, but hey, listen, I love Bill Murray, so that could be interesting, and I really like the Ant-Man series, so let's uh, let's see it go. All right, next up. Uh, Felipe Leduc writes, uh, rumor than rumor than a prequel Rumor than a prequel to The Usual Suspect was being thrown around at Khan's trade market. Masterpiece of noir gangster, any thoughts? If you're saying there's rumors of a prequel to The Usual Suspects, The Usual Suspects, by the way, is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time list. It's probably the one I talk about the least, but Usual Suspects is with Gabriel Byrne. Um, that movie is in my top 10 all time favorite film uh favorite movies of all time i love that movie you could do like a kaiser soze i remember like eight years ago there was some whispers about them doing a kaiser soze prequel um yeah what's what's that phrase from the movie um what is it some people don't believe in god well i do believe in god and the only thing that i'm afraid of is kaiser soze or something like that or I do believe in that. that's what it is. They say the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the, people, the world that he doesn't exist. Well, I do believe in the devil. And the only thing I'm afraid of is Kaiser Soze or something along those lines. That movie is a complete, utter masterpiece. Usual Suspects is one of the greatest movies, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, I don't I think it might be a little bit too late for it. But if they did it, I mean, like I said, they talked about it years ago. I'd be interested I mean, I don't think you're going to do it with uh, what's-his-name. <laughs> I don't think you can do it with what's-his-name anymore. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what direction they go. All right, next up. Uh, Sidharth Sriram writes, and forgive me if I'm butchering your name, man. I, I, I struggle with American names, so just forgive me, dude. Um, hey, John, what should DC do to be a well-oiled machine like the MCU? Why has DC struggled to build comprehensive universe like the MCU? Well, listen, I answered a very similar question to this the other day. The, the issue is not making a comprehensive universe. That's, that's irrelevant. Nobody gives a shit. It doesn't matter if you build a comprehensive universe. Look, this is what it's all about. The next movie you put out, make it a great movie. That's it. It is the simplest yet the hardest thing in the world to do. Make your movies great. I've said this before and people try to argue with me, but you're wrong. The reason Marvel has pulled so far ahead of DC is has nothing to do with the fact that Marvel has a better interconnected universe. None of that matters for shit. None of that means anything. The reason Marvel has pulled in, in, in the view and in the eyes of the average North American and worldwide movie-going audience 
Because you can prefer DC movies over Marvel movies. That's fine. But what I'm saying is you can't deny that in the eyes and in the perception of the average movie-going audience in the world, the reason Marvel has pulled ahead so much of DC has nothing to do with the interconnection of the movies. It has to do with when they go to the movies, they like their movies more. They like their movies more. When they go and see Captain America, the Winter Soldier, they have a better time and enjoy that movie a hell of a lot more than they do when they watch Man of Steel. Something that hurts my heart because I personally love Man of Steel. You guys know that. I think Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is the most underrated comic book film of all time. But it doesn't matter that I feel that way. It didn't hit the audience that way the audience or the critics or anything like that. And I can't mention Man of Steel without everybody jumping down my throat saying, Man of Steel sucks. It's like, it's okay. You're allowed to have that opinion. It's all subjective. That's good. But it's, that's it. Winning cures everything. The one moment in the last number of years where it felt like DC could really catch up and get on par with Marvel was after the first Wonder Woman came out. Because the first Wonder Woman came out, and that movie's freaking great. And the audiences loved it. The the general movie-going audience loved it. It was the first DCEU film that the general audience embraced and loved. And it made the world feel a lot different in the world of Marvel and DC. Because winning cures everything. you got to put out great movies that the audience embraces. And if you do that, it doesn't matter if it's all interconnected right. It doesn't matter. Look at, look at, go back and look at the X-Men movies, right? They put out some horrible X-Men movies, but they also, some of the greatest comic book movies ever made were X-Men movies. X-Men 1, X-Men 2, X-Men Days of Future Past. X-Men Days of Future Past is probably like a top seven greatest comic book movie of all time. Those movies were horribly connected. Continuity, schmontinuity, but it didn't matter because they were great And if DC gets back to doing that, because I'll tell you what, their continuity might be a mess. If the Flash movie comes out and it's awesome and the audience loves it, nothing else will matter. Nothing else will matter. That'll be the only thing that counts and the only thing that matters. So anyway, this is kind of my thing. So make it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest answer to give, man. But it's also the hardest thing in the world. Make your next movie awesome. Simple as that, as in, and, and as incredibly impossible as that. Just make your next movie awesome. It's surprising how different everything looks when you win. So I, that's, that's my kind of take on that. Anyway, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, Just Me writes, oh, sorry, we already had that one. Uh, next up, Tony Lamar writes, any thoughts of Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn being a plot in Book of Boba Fett series? I, no, no, I don't think so. Because uh, Darth Maul is, uh, spoiler alert, Darth Maul is dead. By the time you get to the um, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett timeline, uh, Darth Maul is long dead. Long dead. So, no, I don't see that happening. All right, Mr. Know-It-All writes, with the success of Squid Games, do you think it could be adapted to an American version? What do you think? Here's the problem. Um, you can do those adaptations 
when the majority of the North American audience hasn't seen it yet. Like, Marty Scorsese could do a North American version of Infernal Affairs. And he did, and he called it The Departed. The Departed won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, won Marty Scorsese, his first ever Best Director Academy Award. It was amazing, but he could make that movie because the vast, 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 vast majority of the North American audience had never seen Infernal Affairs. You would have a hard time convincing an executive to do a North American adaptation of Squid Game when almost everybody in North America has watched Squid Game. You know what I'm saying? So the success of Squid Game... The success of Squid Game, um, <coughs> sorry, part of went down the wrong pipe there. The success of Squid Game, I think, kind of maybe limits the potential for doing a North American adaptation of it because everybody in North America has already seen it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm going to guess no. That's my, I, I might be wrong, could totally be wrong about that, but that's just my guess. All right, Thorax writes, and Thorax tips in like $50. Thank you, Thorax, for supporting our channel on that level. You guys, like, way too generous. Thank you guys so much for that, Thorax. Appreciate that, dude. Thorax writes, I just wanted to say hi, and I love your work, dude. So nice of you. Thank you. Uh, keep it up, and I'm super excited for Batman. Dude, I am so excited for Batman. It's crazy. Hopefully, it lives up to the hype. Well, listen, Thorax, and again, thank you for for tipping like that, man. That's, that's incredibly generous. But... um. Again, it goes to, like we were talking about Eternals. Eternals has a great director. The Batman has a great director in Matt Reeves. Uh, I obviously wish it was Ben Affleck directing it, but if it can't be Ben Affleck, I'm totally comfortable with it being Matt Reeves. He's a great director, great storyteller. Uh, They showed us a bunch of the Batman when we were at CinemaCon. I'm sure they're going to show most of it, if not all of that, at DC Fandom here. It'll get you, I'm telling you, it's going to get you guys psyched. If you're not if you're not already psyched for the Batman, when they show you guys at DC Fandom the stuff they showed us at CinemaCon last month, <coughs> you're going to get psyched. And I am very excited for it. Now, whether or not it lives up to the hype, we'll see. Uh, hype can be the enemy can be the enemy of joy. So I just hope it's good. You know, just be good. Just be a good, solid movie. It doesn't have to be a best picture contender like the Joker was. It doesn't have to be a top 10 comic book movie of all time. Just give us a good, solid movie. If it does that, I'll be happy. If it does more than that, gravy, man. Absolute gravy. Okay, next up. We've got Ashe uh, or Ash, Ashe Nagar who writes, John. Thanks to you and one commenter during the recent John Campy show, I saw Beautiful Boy. Awesome. And damn it, it was very good. Don't have a drug addiction or know of anyone among family or friends, but damn, it was good. Listen, it is a powerful movie. Not a movie you can watch a lot of times because of how heavy it is. But man, if you want to see why, why does John keep saying this Timothy Chalamet is like the next the potential next Daniel Day Lewis. Watch Call Me by Your Name and then watch Beautiful Boy that he did with Steve Carell. It's powerful, it's amazing. I'm glad you checked it out, Ash. Thanks for sharing your experience with that, dude. I appreciate that. All right, Anton Riley just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Anton. Appreciate that, man. Uh John Redcorn writes, Eternal's opening box office prediction, I'll say 80 million, too high. Um it's because Oh, wait, sorry. I was thinking Dune there for a second. Oh, uh, Hard to say. It doesn't look 
as exciting as Shang-Chi did, right? Because even though nobody had ever heard of Shang-Chi, it looked exciting. It looked exciting. It looked fun. Eternals, their marketing... I mean, I like the marketing, but I think I don't know if it's going to appeal to as many people. I'm going to say 68 million, 68 million opening weekend. I hope you're right and I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess 60, just a wild guess, wild guess, 68 million. I might change my mind after I see the movie, after I see the movie and I know what the, and I know if there's going to be really super big positive word of mouth or not, I'm, I reserve the right to change my guess. All right. Uh, Aaron Epstein writes. Why did everyone go crazy about the end credit scene in Venom? Morbius trailer a year and a half ago showed us the universes are connected, still hyped. But did it? We don't know for sure. Listen, just because a Morbius trailer, and I said this when it first came out, just because we saw Michael Keaton. Now, I believe what that means, and you believe what that means, but the reality is... Just because we saw Michael Keaton in that trailer, that doesn't mean that, oh, that's Vulture from the Spider-Man movie. It could be somebody totally else. I don't believe that's the case, and obviously neither do you, but it's still a question that's in the air that we won't know for sure until we see the movie. So there's that. All right, next up, uh, Casey Mack writes, Hey, John, do you plan to have some recap of what happens at DC Fandom on Saturday? Or will you most likely wait till Monday to talk about it? I will most likely wait till Monday to talk about it, uh, mostly because I know this is going to sound crazy, um, but I am really trying to take my weekends off. I haven't done great at that. Um, But yeah, I am planning on not being here on Saturday. I look, I, as much as I talk about making sure you balance a work life balance, you strike that work life balance and all that kind of stuff. The reality is I'm not very good at it. I've, I'm better than I was, but you know, Anne uh, has really been making it a point to me to say, I've got to have days that I'm not working. And there will always be exceptions, but I am trying to work as little as possible on the weekends. I'm trying. But at any rate, Saturday, I know this Saturday I have plans. And I am not going to be here in front of, in my studio, in front of this computer working on that Saturday. I've got to make myself do that. Now, look. If DC fandom drops something that we have, we totally don't see coming, like that totally comes out of nowhere, maybe I'll have to do something, but, but it would have to be something so incredibly monumental, like Henry Cavill walks onto the virtual stage and says, I am Kal-El. Okay. Maybe then I might have to do a little something. I, I don't know. But but honestly, I have plans on Saturday. I do not plan to be working on Saturday. So it will most likely have to wait until Monday, uh, whatever comes up. But, you know, we'll have fun on Monday talking about it. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. Okay. Yeah. Somebody just like Casey Mack says, John will be here if Man of Steel 2 is announced. I'm not going to lie. I probably will. If they announce Henry, of course, I've got Henry right here in my studio. If they announce that Henry is coming back officially to do Man of Steel 2, I just may have to break my own promise to myself, but we'll see. 
We'll see. Okay, next up, Bobby Steven writes, highly recommend the uh, the film Worth on Netflix uh, with Michael Keaton. Yeah, I I have I have that one's on my radar. I definitely want to check that one out. That that is something that I really do want to see. All right, next up, uh, Josie reviews writes. Did you hear about the fight between Steve Harvey and his wife? I heard it was a family feud. Huh? <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't really watch Family Feud, but last night, I this is kind of weird that you're bringing this up. Last night, Ann and I, we were kind of just YouTube surfing, and this video came up about... Family feud answers that led to divorce. And we're like, okay, let's pop that on. And it was just some funny answers that contestants gave that would probably end their marriages. And I was like, if there was one thing I wish I could stop doing, it would be blank. And the husband hits the button and goes, cheating. <laughs> like everybody's like, and Steve Harvey goes, you are the dumbest son of a bitch. Anyway. It was it was pretty funny. But I've never I don't even think of family feud. And it's so funny that I just saw that video last night. And you put that on there. So, uh, very funny. All right. Uh, Shiv Patel writes, uh, fuck OnlyFans. I give my money to you and others. Well, thank you, dude. And I didn't even have to put up my OnlyFans yet. John Campia OnlyFans only or OnlyFans, whatever it's called. Coming soon. You guys know you want to see my junk. There's there's the next t-shirt we'll put in the shop. John Campia, you know you want to see my junk. There you go. That That's going to be the hottest seller. Hottest seller in the merch store. All right. Uh, Zishan, Zishan writes, do you mind talking a little shop about the YouTube channel? For example, subscriber growth, views, and any shape uh, shake-ups needed, etc. I, I don't really know. Like, we just hit, and and honestly, I, I this is 100% true. We just hit a number on the YouTube channel that I never thought we would get to. We, like, I think it was a week ago or a week and a half ago, we crossed a quarter of a million subscribers. We hit 250,000 subscribers. Honestly, subscriber number is not all that important. There are a lot of YouTube channels that have much more subscribers than I have, and I get many more views. And there are YouTube channels that don't have as many subscribers as me, but they get more views than me. So the subscriber number isn't really all that vital nor all that important. But to hit that milestone which is a, a number I never thought we would hit. I never, especially this, this is the craziest thing about it, is that we grew from the start of the pandemic, we grew about 75,000 subscribers from the beginning of the pandemic till now. A, a period of time that I honestly didn't even know that we would survive. How can you be a movie channel when there's no movies? And... The fact that we were still able to do the show, that you guys were still here watching, the fact that we were still able to manage to grow our our subscriber numbers during that pandemic. Ask ESPN how hard it was to be ESPN when there was no sports. That's what it was like for us. And um, that, that to me is the amazing thing. So the number is nice, yes, but that number kind of represents that we were still not only able to survive, but grow during the pandemic when there weren't any movies. And and that to me is kind of the most uh, amazing thing. My big hope was that we could average around 2 million views a month. We are averaging between three to 4 million views a month. Um, 
I checked the other day. Here's the funny thing. You know, we had our 100 million view party like last December. I was checking to see when we were going to hit. I kid you not. This is true. I was talking to Ann the other night and I was like, oh, maybe we should do a little something to celebrate because we just hit 250,000 subscribers. And I thought, that's cool. Maybe we should plan something to celebrate when we hit 150 million views of the channel. And so I jumped on the analytics because I never look at our overall views. It's like, oh, we're already at like 171 or 172 million views of the channel. I thought, okay, so we missed 150. So we'll have to do something big when we hit 200 million views. But again, the fact that we've been able to do that during the pandemic when the movie industry has not been normal and huge stretches of time when there weren't any movies um, was it's it's very gratifying it's very gratifying and so we're very very grateful myself and everybody who's involved with the channel we're all very very grateful now as far as big shakeups i don't know because and this is true my goal is not growing the channel that may sound weird and it's totally counterintuitive to a lot of things listen there's a lot of stuff i could do that i know would make the channel grow Right. I could do a lot more. Hold a second. I just got a text from Anne. So when, when Anne texts, I have to check. Uh, I, I might have to wrap this up a little bit early here, guys. So there are a lot of things I know I could do on the channel that would make the channel grow. Top 10 lists, trailer reactions, more hate videos like, you know, make those videos about why I hate like. I make every other video about how I hate Bob Chapek and put the big demon eyes on him and all the thumbnails and so like I could do all that I could go for the cheap clicks I could I could do a lot of those things and those would make my channel grow they would they would make my channel grow by the way I'm not shit talking top 10 lists or trailer reviews or, or trailer reactions that's just not what I do but I think it's great that other people do them that's that's great um, I know there are a lot of things I could do to grow but honestly growing my channel isn't my main concern my main concern is building a channel I would want to watch. That's it. And if I can build a channel that I enjoy doing, I can put a lot of work into, and it's a channel that I can say for myself, that's a YouTube channel that I personally would watch. If I would watch it, then that means there's probably some other people that would want to watch it too. So my goal is to make the channel as good as I can. So I don't really know what big shakeups could be coming. Um, the only one big thing I'm considering, maybe, is um, getting actual studio space. Like, maybe at some point moving out of the studio I've built in my house and actually moving out into actual studio space like we did when we were at the stream. Now, that wouldn't be anytime soon because that would be very expensive. Um but that's something that I'm looking at as well. I also want to expand a little bit how much we do exclusively on the podcast feed. Because I have a lot of fun with the podcasts. Like just doing the, the audio. Because like, every once in a while we've been doing some like Twitter Q&As. Uh, that has been exclusively going up on the podcast feed. That's been a lot of fun. So yeah. So we'll see. We'll see that. And at some point I'm going to have to hire. Uh, I got to hire an assistant at some point. I, I need somebody to come in and help me pick up some of the slack. Um, that is not me putting out a, an open job call right now, by the way, guys, just so you know, so don't send me your resumes, but at some point I'm probably going to have to hire uh, another assistant because I haven't had an assistant in a while and I really feel like I kind of need one. Okay, guys, listen, um, 
I, Anne has written to me. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But uh, I do have something I need to go and attend to. So we're going to wrap it up here, which is fine. I only intended to go for an hour. Now, look, there are still more questions that you guys have sent in that I haven't answered yet. I'm not going to make you wait. I'm going to finish answering all these questions tonight. So we're going to end this live stream right now, but then I'm going to come back in an hour or two and I'm going to finish off these questions. Probably not live. I'll probably record, but all the questions you guys sent in tonight, because here's my goal. When we do these um, after darks, and by the way, guys, write to me and let me know what you think about using after dark, taking live super chat questions instead of using them as companion videos. Maybe you didn't like it. Maybe you did. Let me know what you think. But my goal is when we do these, I'm going to answer all the questions that come in. But I, I've got to cut this a little bit short. I will answer the rest of these a little bit later tonight. So watch for the part two of this to be put up on the YouTube channel a little bit later. All right. Awesome. Guys, this was a lot of fun. I've, I really like doing this. This is a lot of fun. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, thank you to all of you guys who sent in the super chats because you gave us great fun things to talk about and you supported our channel as we did it. So thank you to all you guys. And again, a reminder, if we didn't get to your question yet, hang tight. It's going to come a little bit later tonight. Just check the YouTube channel a little bit later for that. All right, guys, got to wrap it up. Thanks a lot for being here. And I won't forget to say it this time. Remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. Thanks for watching After Dark. My name's John Campion. Until next time, my friends, bye-bye.